This week on The Take, we're marking one year since a pair of devastating earthquakes hit Turkey and Syria with a new digital interactive. Listen and watch stories of survival, recovery, and coping with the grief at aj.audio forward slash earthquakes. Again, that's aj.audio forward slash earthquakes. Al Jazeera Podcasts. What role does Parliament play in Iran? Iranians are choosing a new legislature and many hope it will pave the way for reform. But with a strict vetting system and anti-establishment candidates barred from running, is change possible in the Islamic Republic? I'm Hashim Ahlbarra and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guest. Joining us from Tehran is Mohammed Marandi, professor at the University of Tehran and Iranian political analyst in Venice, Roxanne Faman Famayan, professor of international relations and modern Middle East politics at the University of Cambridge. In Dusseldorf, we are joined by Adnan Tabatabai, an Iranian affairs analyst and chief executive of Kapo, a think tank focused on the Middle East. Welcome to the program. Mohammed, I would like to ask you about a general sentiment that this election could perhaps be one of the most delicate moments for the political establishment in Iran since the Islamic uh, Revolution 1979. How accurate is this characterization? I'm not really sure because ever since I was a teenager, uh, during election times, they would say this is one of the most sensitive moments in the uh, revolutionary period. So mm. it's difficult to say. Obviously, the elections are important. Uh, the uh, current administration, if uh, the president wants to be reelected, he has to be seen as having strong support. If he fails to gain st- support, he could lose the election next year, especially since the economy isn't doing uh, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, his political opponents, uh, like President Rouhani and his people, they people still don't have great memories of the economy during that period. So it is a certain moment where uh, people see the current administration is not performing extraordinarily well and the previous administration not being very successful. But uh, we'll see. It's difficult to Mm -hmm. say what will happen at this stage. Roxanne, many people who are closely monitoring the election this time are waiting to see how many people will show up at the uh, ballots. Why is the turnout, voter turnout, very important this time? Well, I think we can look back at what it was like uh, four years ago. Uh, at the previous election, it was down 42 to 42%. This time, the latest uh, polls are expecting about 41%, which certainly implies that the majority are not coming to the to uh, cast their votes. I think it's a combination of both uh, a very bad economy 
uh, and a period of uh, feeling as though they're not part of the political momentum, that the uh, leadership has taken a direction quite different than that that the populace is feeling. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, a certain degree of feeling that they are not, uh, no matter how much they vote, they will not be engaged in improving their situation. And so I think there's a, a, a great deal of despondency uh, involved. On the other hand, I think mm -hmm. it's also become very clear that the leadership itself does not really care whether the uh, population is voting or not. They don't see it as mm -hmm. a uh, implication on their own legitimacy. How should we, Adnan, this is my question to you, how should we analyze uh, a low voter turnout if it happens this time in this election? Is it discontent with the political establishment in general or just with Ibrahim Raisi? Or is it mainly because people don't trust that the government is going to improve their living standards? Look, I believe we should we should look at it as in the way that we would look at it anywhere else. Um, you have trends, you have, as Roxana said, periods of a time in which there is more um, satisfaction or content among the broader population with the state of affairs in the country. There is a period in which people ha have increasingly the feeling they can, that they can shape politics in the country through elections. And I think it is fair to say that currently um, we are in a period or in a downward trend in that respect that there is not much enthusiasm about elections. This has to do with all sorts of different grievances. This also may have to do with the way that candidates or the political establishment as a whole um, has managed to or failed to create that enthusiasm about mm -hmm. political competition in a way that creates more, more voter turnout. So in that respect, we are currently in certainly in a low. Uh, Mohammed, would you expect a voter turnout similar to what happened last uh, uh, in the past election in the sense that it is going to be lower in urban centers and major cities, higher in rural areas, or the dynamic, dynamics could shift anytime? It is always lower in uh, a city like Tehran because the electoral law, in my opinion, is deeply flawed. For example, uh, if I vote tomorrow, I will have to fill uh, 30 uh, names for parliament and for another council that chooses the leader, 16. So I have to fill in 46 names for the whole city. And uh, unlike in small cities where I have a relationship with the MP, I know who my MP is. He comes to my street or to my local school or to a local mosque or wherever, and I can meet him in his office. In Tehran, there is no connection between the uh, the individual and the candidate or the elected parliamentarian. We have the same problem in major cities as well, but in Tehran, it is the most difficult. And it's also very time consuming. If you really sit down and write all the names, you could be there for quite a long time, and then the people in front of you have to do it. So you may be standing in queue for hours just to cast a vote. That's mm -hmm. why parliamentary elections in Iran, the turnout is usually significantly lower than presidential elections, because the president, for the president, you just go in, give, your, give the name, and then you leave. So uh, traditionally, the in Iran, the parliamentary elections are between 42 and 
uh, 60 percent, it ranges. The lowest, as uh, your previous guest pointed out, was four years ago. I don't believe that anyone in the political or, or the political establishment at large doesn't want to see a high turnout. But I think uh, the major issue in Iran, according to polls, mm -hmm. by far, is the economy. It's number one, number two, number three, number four, in different ways it's expressed. And uh, because of the sanctions, but also because of uh, policy and uh, mismanagement, uh, the economy hasn't been doing well for uh, maybe a decade now. And Mr. Raisi, when he first came in, there was optimism that he would be able to bring about change. So far, although uh, at least last year, the economy, the economy mm -hmm. uh, grew significantly, but people don't feel any change. They continue to feel that the situation is not good. So it's sort of like what was once said in the United States, it's the economy, mm -hmm. stupid, as they would say. But again, and that's it's also true, by the way, for U.S. elections. The presidential election in the U.S. the turnout is much higher, but the congressional elections are usually in the 30s and 40s. Oksana, is it fair to say that this is going to be purely, mainly just about economy and the growing discontent among people because of the increasing inflation, the sanctions that have been biting into the economy for quite some time? Is it just purely an economic issue here? Well, it's certainly the economy that's the most immediate that's on people's minds. And the currency has been dropping against the dollar, for example, quite substantially over the last seven weeks. And the result uh, of a, a downward trend um, is that more and more people are falling under the poverty line. And so these are immediate concerns. It's very difficult to find um, more uh, goods in the in the markets that are are you know affordable. People are really struggling. They're holding two jobs. So I think we are seeing the translation of what in the past certainly could have been um, an argument that it was both a political and an economic uh, set of issues translating into becoming primarily economic because of the immediacy of this. Mm -hmm. And then in. Uh, in theory, when people are frustrated with the performance of a government, like we look at the indicators, there's an inflation which is standing at 50%, the high consumer prices, and you have the flattening currency, you would assume that people would take their anger towards their leaders. But what we're seeing, basically, is that ultimately the Conservatives will still have a bigger say in the next parliament and the Conservatives are likely to continue just to further consolidate their political gains. Does it make sense? You could obviously say that elections are one way to interact with the state. Um, and you can, of course, if you're discontent with the state of affairs and you have the feeling that engaging in elections and finding someone who represents or stands for the things that matter to you, um, then you have the opportunity to take, to take this opening or this um, offer by the state structure, so to speak, to participate and in fact make sure that people um, are voted out that you no longer want to see in there. And this has happened quite often in the past four decades of the Islamic Republic. But as I said earlier, currently, this doesn't seem to be necessarily the case. 
there is a lack of representation for some of the topics and grievances that people have. They certainly have primarily to do with economic um, issues that were already mentioned, but there are obviously also cultural, social, and political grievances where we see a, a lack of representation or a lack of candidates that would in a credible fashion um, embody the grievances that people have or address them properly. So therefore, we are currently seeing a, a disengagement or a withdrawal, so to speak, from, from those who are not satisfied mm. with the current state of affairs. Mohammed, is the vetting process by the Guardian Council uh, a major problem here? Because ultimately, when you look at the list of the candidates, you look at the environment itself, you get a clear sense that the choice, choices are narrowing here in Iran. It is always a debate, and it is a problem. But I think uh, it is important to keep in mind that uh, the United States uh, did, especially in 2009 in Western countries, uh, try to interfere in Iranian elections, and, to, and uh, especially in 2009. And the Persian media, which is funded by the West and based in the West, has always tried to influence the elections in one way or another, either by telling people to vote in a certain way or not to vote in a certain way or not to vote at all, or attacking particular people. So uh, when the United States in 2016, at least when many in the political establishment claimed that Russia uh, was, was interfering in U.S. elections. You had four years of crisis of sorts in yeah. the political establishment in, in the United States. In the case of Iran, the United States is a much larger power than Iran. And uh, it in the West, when it interferes in Iran, it creates greater caution. So the system begins to become more cautious. It uh, is more cautious about certain candidates who have connections abroad or with uh, certain political parties abroad. So the, the United States and Europeans, if if they're sincere about democracy, and they're not, I mean, mm. genocide in Gaza, I think, has exposed everything. But if they were sincere about democracy, the first thing that they would do would be to stop interfering in Iranian internal affairs. And then I think you would automatically see things open up, as we saw in 2009, where we had debates. It was a really fantastic environment. Mm until after the elections and then we had riots and uh, we are still uh, we're still experiencing the consequences of that in okay. small ways Roxana does that concern by the political establishment justify disqualifying the independents the liberals the centrists and members of the reform coalition to the point where people are saying that this is just tilting the ground for the conservatives to take over once again well, I think two things are going on at the moment. Um, firstly, this is a, a, a double election. This is an election for the Assembly of Experts as well, which comes around every eight years. And that is the assembly that will be quite probably responsible for uh, choosing or uh, being part of the choosing of the next uh, Supreme Leader, because um, Supreme Leader Khamenei is, um, he's elderly, he's ill, and so the chances of him making it past the next eight years are diminishing. So it's a an opportunity uh, for the conservatives to put into place, I think, people that the current leadership feels 
um, are responsible and that they can count on and that are part of their in-group that will be able to then, um, according to their remit, uh, choose somebody or a group of people that will run the country in the future. And that's a major mm -hmm. change in, in the country's um, next uh, future steps. And I think that's the second point that I wanted to make. When a country is looking at uh, a major structural change, and we've seen this in many different countries, it's not just in Iran, the entire system uh, goes into a point of being less flexible, being um, focused on trying to s set the tone for the next uh, stage. And so it is focused much, much less on bringing in uh, different people, bringing in experiments of uh, approach. And I think we're seeing that stratification very much in Iran at the moment, while at the same time, the uh, conservatives are trying to consolidate and take out the unpredictability for their next step. Uh, and then what future lies ahead for the opposition when they see themselves basically ejected from this practice uh, and the conservatives further consolidating their grip on the on power in Iran. Um, let me first ask what opposition you mean. Are you referring to, let's say, opposition factions within Iran that are mm -hmm. trying to yeah exactly the, yeah the reformers um, no, I mean, the reformers in particular. Um, yeah, look, I think it's it's quite clear that. Uh, the, let's say the reformists and moderate, moderate factions, part of their demise, if we want to put it this way, has to do with the disqualifications, with the unfair political environment in many respects, but part of it is also due to their performance. And I would go as far as to say that even if less of their candidates had been disqualified, I'm not even sure that they would have been able or that they would be able to mobilize their constituents in a similar way that we uh, didn't see that in the past presidential <laughs> election or before that, the parliamentary election. So I think what, what really needs to happen in the, let's say, reformist and moderate camp, there are still remnants of that that are competing mm. in tomorrow's um, elections. But of course, it's a very, very weakened political uh, group that will need to, to put its act together to generate um, a new generation, in fact. And mm -hmm. of course, the, the political establishment has to open up, has to allow more space for them to, to have these new generation of politicians. And let me also very briefly come to the point that was referred to earlier by both Mohammed and uh, Roxana, which is... Um, in fact, we are dealing with a very securitized political context due to a transition phase in terms of mm -hmm. potential future succession, but mm -hmm. also because of the, the, the high tension that exists between Iran and um, external actors. And that leads to this closed political space we are currently seeing. Mohammed, since Adnan uh, talked about the uh, rising tension in the region, particularly between the Americans and, uh, and the Iranians, is foreign policy an issue that could further shape the outcome of the election? We've seen senior Iranian officials, including Ali Khamenei, basically saying that the war in Gaza is a reason why the Iranians have to show up in mass and vote in this election. Yes, well, I should point out that he is quite healthy, but the uh, elections for uh, the Council of Experts, as they call it, that chooses the leader, of course, are very important. 
but yes, foreign policy too is key at the moment because the region is experiencing a uh, a major crisis, and we will probably see an expansion of the war, whether it's in Rafah, where the genocide will become worse, or the Israeli regime, in order to escape defeat, they will expand the war into Lebanon and carry out their atrocities there. And of course, Iran is the only government, uh, internationally recognized government, that is supporting the resistance in Gaza, the resistance in Lebanon, and uh, the government in San'a, and, and so on. So for Iran, it is a very sensitive moment that, uh, and it is very important for Iran to be seen as uh, strong. And for example, the uh, during the anniversary of the revolution, there was a, a large turnout, and there was the, the, leaders, the leaders and the president and the speaker of parliament, and everyone was calling people to come to the streets because they felt that a huge presence on the streets of Tehran would be sending a message to the West. The problem mm -hmm. that we have in this region is that we don't live in a normal region. We live in a region where the United States and its allies uh, manipulate, they turn countries against one another, they invade, they destroy, and they support genocide. So for Iran to be seen strong internally mm -hmm. is very important. However, I should stress that uh, parliamentary elections in Iran, if there's a turnout, let's say, of roughly 50 percent, that would be considered uh, good under the circumstances. But in general, parliamentary elections, as I said earlier, have a turnout that are less than the presidential elections. And as I said, in particular, in mm -hmm. major cities, and in particular Iran, the turnout is always going to be low because of the parliamentary, okay. the, the system of election that they've imposed, where you have to vote for tens of people, literally. Roxana, those who are going to take part in the election and those who will stay decide to stay away, to what extent will the war in Gaza, the potential for Iran to be drawn into a military confrontation with the United States of America, be a factor that could decide whether they go and vote or stay at home? I don't think it's a huge factor. I th as mm. I, I, I think we discussed, the economy is much more immediate. I think the element of being uh, engaged in a government that might make uh, a difference if they voted, I don't think people feel that they have any control, that their vote will deliver any real benefits. I think the element of uh, Gaza and the region is actually more important to the leadership. And it's because of an interesting paradox that's taking place briefly that uh, Iran is in many ways, because it's of its support for Palestinians and Palestine, uh, speaking very much to the Arab street. So we're seeing it uh, throughout the region that Iran's message is resonating with the with the populations that uh, whose own leadership leadership are actually uh, approaching the situation rather differently. And yet, interestingly, mm -hmm. it's Iran's population that is not supporting its own government that much. Mm -hmm. So we, we see a dichotomy here. And I think that's where that issue is playing out, rather than really affecting people's choices to go to the polls. Adnan, Roxana, early... Briefly, yeah, Mohammed, yes, go ahead, please, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I, I agree that the main issue is the economy. That's absolutely correct. But polls in Iran also show uh, that uh, Iranians overwhelmingly support 
the people of Palestine and Gaza, and they support Iran supporting them. There is a division in Iran about that, but the a strong majority do support Iran's policy in that regard. But right. it doesn't give the government an excuse to poorly perform economically. Adnan, briefly, if you don't mind, the Assembly of Experts, which is going to be also uh, elected, the 88 uh, seats of the body, is it going to be a crucial moment? Is it going to be the next assembly to decide the next successor of the Supreme Leader? I mean, look, it's um, it's gonna it's not going to be the one critical moment, but it's definitely going to be um, important in the sense that it is another in a, another step in a certain direction. It's very very difficult to say what the formal pro pro uh, processes will be like um, once should there be. The to, to define a decision about the future of the um, Supreme Leader's position. Um, it is clear to, to, to say that, of course, it is a very sensitive time, and um, it is important to make sure that that people are chosen into this assembly. This is the government's view or the establishment's view, that people are represented in this uh, in this body that will that will shape the country in a direction that is in line with the political establishment's thoughts. So there is there is no real um, questions, no real risks allowed, no real um, arbitrariness should be left there. This is obviously far too sensitive. Mohamed Balandi, Roxana Farman Farmayan, and Adnan Tartabai, I really appreciate your insight. Looking forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al Aishi, Fintan Monahan, Maria Elena Agostini, and Jima Harris. Today's stand was by Mohamed Osman. The program was edited by Anil Anandan, Lynn Gwynn, Vanessa Canelli, and Jody Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tuning on Friday for our next edition. Coming up on The Take, Israel takes its political temperature for the first time since its war on Gaza began. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.